Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. And just two weeks left to go in your fantasy footy season for 2023. For some, they've been building their squads since mid to late December in 2022. And really, in a 10-day time period, you're going to know the exact outcome of how your 2023 season has gone. For leagues or for rankings, whether it's good news or bad news, 2023 is almost in the can. The good news, though, is right throughout this episode, uh, we're going to help you navigate some of the big conversational points that you need to be processing through for your fantasy footy side for Dream Team, Super Coach, and AFL Fantasy for round 23. Joining me on this episode as he has right throughout this 2023 season. He is the Harry Sheasel of fantasy football, my friends. Mini Mark, hello. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. You playing me up forward, down back, or in the midfield today? Right, mate, wherever you play, you absolutely do it beautifully. You just junk it up a little bit more in the defensive half, but we'll, uh, that'll be all right. You'll help us through. It's this interesting time of the year, isn't it? Where big portions of the fantasy community that are chasing overall ranks really outside of a couple of hundred, and it depends on the format you play, are really nowhere near achieving their ultimate objective of finishing top 10, top 100 first. Some are still on track for their number one overall rank for a PB, so there's plenty to play for, but big parts of the community are now like, eh, whatever. And then there's the coaches that are focused on leagues, and then it's all about those nuanced one-for-one head-to-head matchups in either preliminary final action this week or grand final, depending on how they've chosen to run up their leagues. It's this interesting time of year, isn't it, in Supercoach Dream Team and AFL Fantasy Classic and Drafts, where the community's in this weird space of super laser-focused, every possession matters, and others are just in the space of, I really don't care. Yeah, I mean, if you break it down for Classic at the moment, You've built your salary, you've got your team. All you're trying to do now is target the players that you want to own for these last two games. And that makes it very interesting as well because I, I, we, we had a quick chat before we started this pod. There isn't anyone that massively stands out this week. There isn't a target that you go, oh, this is the Tex Walker of round 23 because you know a lot of people are targeting for next week with that Eagles matchup. But there aren't many players that have that two-week block of fixes that you can just go, I want to trade into this player. I want to own him for the last two. Because most of the good targets, most of the players that you consider, you know, top eight, top six, top 10 of the line, there's flags with them. Yeah. Everyone's got concerns about them. Yeah. It's a weird... So it just makes it really tricky. Yeah, it does. Um, for super coaches and dream teamers, if you have a trade left, okay, it, it's purely tactical at this point whether that be for in your ranking, you're just going, okay, is this the week to capitalize or do I hold ground, use the rolling lockout, use my uh, ability to track what my team uh, opposition have done in the rankings battle up to this week? Have I made adjustments to what they're doing? Have they made trades? Have they been holding? Really in rankings in those two formats, it's purely tactical and timing where if you're going for leagues, you're just using that trade this week if it's one left because you need it to get you over the line into the grand final. Or if you're really quite confident um, or you have two somehow, uh, okay, well, now there's a different tactic at play. But for AFL Fantasy, I, I think this is one of the great things about this format of the game. Each format has their own strength and weakness. But for AFL Fantasy, two trades a week, use it or lose it, it means we've got the opportunity to look at options whether it be culling that last cow throwing away that d8 spot f8 spot m10 spot whatever it is free up that last bit of cash and maybe fix something up or as you've mentioned start to play some fixtures and some matchups but when i'm with you when i look at positionally across forwards mids defenders and using trends of data over the past five to ten weeks There's one team that on paper, now again, that's all it is, on paper looks like it's a great 
back-to-back matchup. And that's for Tom Stewart and Mitch Duncan. We talked about them a lot last week, so we don't need to probably dive into that too much. And it didn't really work out massively either, um, depending on the format you played um, with either of those guys. But this is this weird place where we can start looking for things underneath rocks that aren't really there and we can make one trade and actually cost ourselves 100 points if some variables don't go our way. I mean, you saw it last week. One of the most popular trade-out players in AFL Fantasy last week was Harry Sheasel. Yeah. And he goes out and drops 110. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen this week with your trades, but that has to be in your thinking with whoever you're bringing in and whoever you're trading out. And we look at the popular trade-in targets this week, if you run down them in AFL Fantasy, Mm. because it's where people are making the most amount of trades. Yeah, of course. It's Clayton Oliver, Tom Green, Nick Newman, Zach Butters, Rory Laird. Those are the premiums that people are targeting. All had great games last week. Three out of the five are midfielders Mm. as their positional status. You know, Zach Butters is playing in the midfield as well, but his class is a forward. And really, he's probably the one that stands out the most. If you don't own him, he's probably the one I would lean towards. But there's flags associated with all of Oliver, Green, and Laird. So talk me through that. Because people hear that and they go, Oliver, missed the 110 this year, even when he's done his hammy, he's still turning up. Laird, barring round one, I think we could say that is clearly a career aberration in this midfield role. He's still going 110 across the formats. Butters is back to what we know. So talk me through about these three guys, about how there's there's an element of risk to trading into them at different points. Sure. Let's start with the easy one in Oliver. Mm. Are they really going to let him get off the chain? We've already seen what Mitchell has done with taggers this year. Mm. If you are going to tag one player on that Melbourne team, who is their most influential? Midfielder? It's Clayton Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy is a contested beast. He finds a way to get the ball from inside to outside. If he's got Finn McGuinness or Connor Nash standing next to him and, you know, really just hugging him tight for a lot of the game, it's going to affect his ability to be able to do that. And yes, the matchup the week after against Sydney is a bit better, but it's still not a great matchup. And that's where we go to Rory Laird because he has that Sydney matchup this week. And yes, he has the really nice West Coast matchup in round 24, but you know what the problem is? He's about the most expensive player in the game. He's 990-odd thousand, so you're going to have to be finding a way to get up to him, which isn't going to be easy. And that Sydney matchup isn't, you know, it's not as good as it was 10 weeks ago. They actually look like a half-decent team, and they're going to be pushing to make finals. This is going to be a brutal game. Yeah. It's going to probably be the game of the round. And then if we go to the last one of those three, if we go to Tom Green, who do they play this week? Yeah? They've got Port Adelaide. Sorry, they got Carlton this week. Uh, yeah. Which is the toughest inside mid matchup that you can get. Over the past, again, I think, 10 weeks, let alone past five weeks. Yeah. And yes, they've got, you know, that really nice round 24 matchup. Uh, I think I've got a mistake here. So they've got Carton in round 24. They've got Essen in round 23. So you're not going to want to own him for the last round of the season. Yeah. Which, why? What's the point of this doing what we get to get into? Yeah, and look, there is a time and a place for a one-week, and we've talked about it a few weeks ago with the one-weekers, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you need to know where your exit strategy is off yeah, of a player right. like him if you're going him for the one-week because there's a certain player that we will talk about as being a <laughs> one-week play because we know it's a one-and-done. You don't get a second bite of the cherry. Mm-hmm. Would you like to lead into him? Yeah, well, you've kind of alluded to a teammate of his by saying the name there in, in cherry. Jack Zeebel's this very interesting prospect that I'd like to get your reflections on. In AFL Fantasy, defender, forward, 625,000. I know people jumped into him last week and maybe felt a little underwhelmed with his 90, but that was a weird match in terms of how North Melbourne moved the ball, how Essendon moved the ball, and prior to that, well, he went on 138. Again, if a 90 is a bad game from Jack Zeebel you'll take it. They play Richmond this week. From a scoring perspective, I'm giving a little bit of caveats before he comes loose. Richmond are one of the three best teams for our defenders at the moment. They've got a really nice matchup. We know historically teams that aren't likely to win, but are wanting to give 
champions of their club or legacy AFL players, they funnel the ball through them in this game. A great illustration of that, 2020 Bryce Gibbs retirement game. The Crows' year was done. They're just funneling the football through him to give him one last hurrah. So talk to me about this one-week play in Jack Zebel. I know there's some impact that could help us with another one-week play the following week. But talk me through for a coach that's looking at Zebel, knows he's got 150 ceiling about him, knows the matchup is right. Talk me through the upside. And then there is a wee part of risk that we just need to flag with Zebel as well. If we look at the upside, the upside is the price. 625, you go from him from probably any premium your team, mm. you're making money, and it might allow you to make a really big upgrade on the back end. So that might allow you to get up to someone like a Rory Led. It might allow you to get up to someone like a Clayton Oliver. That's positive. Another positive is he plays really early. He's the first mm. game on the Saturday, which means that if you have a 23rd premium or you've got a pretty good bench rookie or a bench mid-pricer that you want to flick on if he doesn't score well, there's your opportunity to do so. Mm. But then there's the caveats. Mm-hmm. And the caveats are, where is he going to play? And will it remain that way for the entire game? Yes. Because, yeah, he's looked very, very good when he's played down back. He's looked very good when he's in that role where he's controlling the ball in their D50. But what else has Zibel done in his career? He's played midfield, mm-hmm. and he's even played off half forward and deep forward. Yeah. It was only a couple of years ago where he played key forward for half a season. And... You know, if you've got a player that loves playing key forward and maybe it's in their last game, maybe you want to squeeze him a goal, what's the chance? Maybe at three-quarter time, they just go, all right, Zebel, that's you done. We're going to try and park you at full forward and try and get you a goal to send you off with. Yeah. Could happen. Could happen. I'm not saying that it's... it's it, And this is always the thing with things. We, you know, we talk about these flags and it's, it's never that these things are locked in. It's never oh. that they're guaranteed to happen. But it's about thinking it through yourself and thinking, right, what's the probability that they do that? And what's the possible score that he's going to be on at that point? Do I feel comfortable enough jumping into that based on what I deem my assessment to be? Because that's all it is. Mm -hmm. We can give you these options. We can give you the ideas. We can give you the possible things that might happen to these players, but you have to make the assessment in your head. You know, Is it 15% that he goes forward or is it 50% or is it 85%? Who knows? But you can make that assessment yourself because that's where you can start to differentiate. Because if you think it's 100% that he goes forward halfway through the game, then you're definitely not trading into it. But if you think it's only 5%, then by all means, you would take that risk on. And I think that's a really important piece is the beauty of where his fixture in the round lands for coaches is... We're really talking about for coaches that are in a, in a critical preliminary final matchup or, or are heavily pushing for a, their career best rankings result. Again, that could be top 10, winning the whole thing, top 100, or, you know, for someone listening, it's like, man, if I could get to 3,000 this year, that, that would be a great outcome. Fantastic. So for a coach that's got nothing to lose, Jumping into Zebel's a piece of cake idea. No problems running but F6. But for you, is Zebel only a F7 loophole option or can he be an F6, D6 straight play? It's all about your time to risk. If you are the type of coach that wants to take on a big risk and wants to get a big reward out of it, let's say you want to downgrade a Stephen Canelio to Jack Zebel. That's going to net you over $200,000 this week. It's going to open up for you for your trades for this week and for next week as well. It's a risk that you can take. If you can, if you get to Friday night and you're right, all 22 of my premiums are playing. I want to make some cash. I want to do an upgrade because there's a mid premium or a defender premium that I want to target. And I know that I'm going to have the cash to be able to do my trades for next week with this move. And if I move Zebel on, then you go for it. But if you're risk averse and you're thinking, I don't want to take that risk on, I just don't have enough, you know, certainty that it's going to go the way that I think it goes, then that's when you go, no, that's not for me. So it's all about your risk appetite. It's this interesting space as we look through the last five weeks of of just trends of data. And that's all, all we are when it's t- 
just games of one or two, this is where those that have played any form of daily fantasy, again, either casually, um, just for fun and doing the free games, or those that have spent a little bit more time investigating and investing financially in the more, let's just call it the flat-out gambling approaches of fantasy footy through there, they've got that level and appetite of risk that they're a bit more used to than maybe a classic or a draft coacher has had where they put them on the field. So I want to look at the fixture in a moment, but it's this interesting junction of the year where everything can look good on paper. But like you said, just because the matchup, the data, the trend is there, doesn't mean it's going to happen. No, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but you've got to look at what are the other options around them at that price. Yeah, that's a good call. So if you're looking in that six to 700K bracket, there's actually quite a few very interesting options in there. Mm. And a lot of it's because of the sub through the season. We've got players like Tom Mitchell, who's very cheap because of the sub. Paddy Lipinski, who's very cheap because of the sub. Patrick Dangerfield's injuries. Mm. Same with Isaac Smith to an extent. Wayne Miller injuries. But there's a couple that scream out to players. George Hewitt yeah. and Bailey Smith. They're on fire at the moment. They Well, not these Smith. These two but... are absolutely... Well, <laughs> not Smith. But George Hewitt's on fire. He's yeah. got to enroll in that midfield now. It's definitely at least a two-week punt, but it could be a one-week punt based on who comes back for Carlton next week. So he's worth looking at. And then Bailey Smith is worth looking at, not just because of the matchup, but because of who's gone out of that team. Yeah. Tom Liberatore has moved out. Who moved inside after that point? It was a bit of Baz. It was a bit of a few others. But what's going to happen in that Eagles game? And if he does get pushed forward... Yeah. You know, there is the potential that he pops an 80, 90, 100, 110 score and he's basically the same price. So whenever you're looking at these sorts of plays, look at the other options as well because all I've heard from a few podcasts this week is Jack Siebel is a very interesting option if you want to take the one-week punt. Sure. Why not take the one-week punt on someone else like Bailey Smith? Why not take it on someone like George Hewitt who could turn into a two-week punt? You've got a Matt Just Crouch. have these ideas in your head. Who's at 759? Yeah. Um, you've got someone like... Um, a Hayden Young, who's at 764. Again, the matchup's not amazing, but he's scoring through that midfield and doing some nice things. Of the past six weeks, Tom Atkins has got yeah. three 120-plus scores. Redmond, Bolton, Impey. Uh, now, I'm not saying go and pick these guys, but really what I am trying to say is don't just get so laser-focused on the one option that you think is there. There are dozens of plays that what you can do and when you're at this point of the year when you're just looking for a one or a two week hit you just need one or two variables to go your way and it can be a 200 point difference um in in just a one positional move if we are looking at the matchups there are really three or four brilliant ones we know that mm. key forwards and forwards in general against West Coast is a really nice matchup, which brings not just the Crows into picture for next week, but the Western Bulldogs into play this week. Um, that's an interesting one. It's a high risk play there, probably outside of Daniel or Bailey Smith um, in terms of key position forwards, like a, a Norton and a Hugel Hagen feels risky, but we know at Marvel... It's a different Bulldogs. Any of those enough to tempt you, or would you rather detour to a Zeeble-type forward one-week play and then jump on to an Adelaide? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pro next week. I'm not sure I could go to McRae with yeah. any confidence. I think okay. Bailey Smith is interesting because he's got that workload. He's largely looked okay despite his scoring not being that great. I agree. Daniel to an extent as well, but he gets thrown around a fair bit. It's mm-hmm. very hard to to recommend him with a huge amount of confidence. But if you've got him, you're probably looking to hold him anyways. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at Hugo Hagen and um, and Norton, Norton uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we're just talking about Tex as being someone who can pop a ceiling game. 
those two can as well. They, mm. They're very good masters of the, of the ball. They both push up the ground. They both know how to find space. And there's every chance they can pop a decent score as well. Now, it's not as appealing as the text matchup for round 24 because they play the first game on the Sunday and it's yeah. a bit later. So it makes that looping a bit trickier. Agree. But it's worth having a look at if you have a forward or or even a defender or a midfielder that you're wanting to loop off if they do pop a good score and you can swing that DPP. So Yeah, yeah a again, Rosie and a Butters the- might be able to move into the midfield for you with that final game yeah. around. So th- there's options for you there. Others that are, are favourable historically on trend, the Bulldogs defenders is equally as good, if not better, than key position forwards uh, against the Eagles. So it could be a very high scoring. That portion of the ground could be very, very high. Rucks against Brisbane. But let's talk about Rucks for a minute. Marshall and English both have the best matchups they could pretty much possibly have. And if you are looking for anyone other than those two, it's probably because you're looking for someone like a Luke Jackson to squeeze in your forwards. So the only reason you're probably looking to trade into a Ruck is you're trying to minimize the damage of English or Marshall if you don't have either of them, which, again, highly popular in the top-ranked teams. Yeah, exactly. And and I think I'll just get back to that defender point that you are making before. Who else is retiring pretty soon? Mm-hmm. Shannon Hearn. Mm-hmm. He is a player that I actually owned in the end of the 2022 season in Supercoach, and it's a fun ride. He's a He's very a fun player. player to own. And if, you know, if the Eagles want to give him a good farewell, why not chip the ball into his hands under the deck as well? I mean, they've got a couple of reasonable matchups. They've got, you know, the dogs under the dome and then they've got Adelaide back home. It's not the worst option if you're looking to try and take a punt. It's going to be cheap. It's one to look at if you really want to have a bit of an interesting time. Um, From a midfield perspective. And, And the Rucks. Yeah, well, the Rucks, we've we've talked about that. Let's be honest. The Rucks are the Rucks. It's those three. It, it's it's those three, and if you own Max Gorn, consider getting to one of those three. If you, can. I, I think that's right. With or without Grundy playing this week, like we just don't yeah. know. We'll, um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. Mids is interesting because again, we've talked about Geelong. have got a really nice two week fixtural perspective. Adelaide against the Swans defenders. It's not horrible. Would be the, it's pretty neutral to say the least, yeah. but, you know, I probably wouldn't jump on Tex a week early. I'd rather look at the seven or eight forwards we listed earlier in that sort of 700 to 750 range or go all the way down to Zebel and, and jump mm-hmm. on there. But mids is interesting because that's where I think there could be a few coaches that do have a few pain points, and it's this interesting thing. Corey Blackledge, um, one of our Patreons, sent me this question and for AFL Fantasy. He's got Neil Steele and Himmelberg. Um, and these are the types of players that people are thinking of moving on this week is Neil's been underwhelming, but had a really nice, probably six week patch off the back of the buys. Steals as early as a fortnight ago, people were trading into him because the one twenties were yeah. there. And then Himmelberg, I don't think he's been bad, but barring two or three games, he also hasn't been great for coaches this year. So if these are the types of players, you know, Corey's a great illustration for the types of people that they're looking to move off. If you've got this sort of move, is it easier to maneuver and make changes as opposed to coaches that are going, my worst offender is Hayden Young. My worst forward is Stephen Canelio. My worst yeah. mid is Christian Petrarca. Again, that I use worst very loosely as a term, but you almost would prefer to be in that sort of situation for Corey, wouldn't you, where it feels like you've got easier pathways out? Yeah, I mean, that's why some people were having a bit of the sicko in them, as some coaches like to say, <laughs> and they were hoping, well, well, maybe Doherty does get a rest this week. Maybe they don't play in this week. And, you know, for his sake and for a lot of other coaches' sake, he is playing this week. Mm-hmm. But when you have those force types of options, those players that are clearly underperforming, clearly not the top of their line, that don't have what you want them to have, it makes it much easier to be able to say, right, I want to jump off of them because there's a lot of talk about players like Crouch and Steele that people want to jump off of. Or if you look at the forward line, as you said before, Canelio, mm. it's very hard to trade off these players because you know what they've done 
in the past. And you know what they've done this season. I mean, it was only a couple of weeks ago that Crouch went 126 without touching the ball in the last quarter. Yeah. Steele's had 130 games. Keneally's had 130 games. You look down back, someone like Stewart, who had a poor game on the weekends, had 130 games. Yeah. And you don't want to be on the receiving end of a good score out of one of these types of players because if you're trading out of them, they're probably pretty highly owned. They're going to become an antipod against you. And if they pop a good score, that hurts. So sometimes you've got to look at, you know, what are people around me doing? Do I do I think I have a better team than them? Do I think I have a worse team than them? Do I want to take a risk on and trade out of someone like Caleb Sarong or someone like uh, Jack Sinclair because mm. I don't like them fixtures over the next two? That's how you can kind of make an edge. But if you think you have the better team, then you go, right, let's get rid of those lower play, lower owned players. Let's get rid of, you know, someone like... Uh, I might use my team, for example. Let's get rid of someone like an Angus Brayshaw, who's very lowly owned, or a Luke Jackson. And Sheasel again. And try and Sheasel again, for example. These sorts of players where you can kind of come back towards the pack and Mm. match teams because you think everywhere else on the ground, I'll beat them, match them on this player because then I can beat them all around the ground as well. And we're used to during the year now, and, and, and some love rolling lockouts, some hate them. But for those that are in league finals and for those that are pushing for personal high or a token of success, so to speak, whether it be a hat or something like that um, in AFL fantasy, you've got to maximize the loopholes available to you this week and the timing of the fixture, not just for the VCC option, but for the timing of the trades and the positioning of the players as well. Have a look at the trades that you're looking to pull. Have a look at who's going to be moving out, who's going to be moving in. Have a look at the rookies that are playing this week. We have teams now. We know that Jack Buller is playing. If he was a red dot on your bench that you've been using to loop with, don't look at doing that this week because that's not going to work. Have a look at where they lie. You know, people are really looking at going Marshall into English as their vice captaincy into captaincy this week. Who do you have playing after Rowan Marshall plays? Who do you have not playing after Rowan Marshall plays? Because there's only three games afterwards that you could really look at. And if you don't have a red dot and he goes 140, Mm -hmm. that's going to hurt. So really have a think about that. And then, yeah, as you said, map out the trades. Map out you saying, right, well, I'm going to be pulling my first trade on Saturday afternoon. I need to move this player into this position. This is what I'd be doing with my second trade. Do I still have that DPP flexibility to be able to move the players around that I need to do? Yeah, it's good. Just have a look at it and investigate it before you kind of lock in your trade and have a few contingencies as well. Because even if you don't have 23 premiums, even if you've got only got 22, if you have some red dots and you've got some rookies that might be playing, maybe put someone like a Darcy Cameron on the bench. Maybe put someone like yeah. a Josh Dunkley on the bench. Maybe put someone like a Jaden Short on the bench just to have a look at their score before all your rookies lock out because if they get injured on 10 if they get injured on 15 if they get knocked out or they get subbed out early at least then you can get 20 30 points and that might be the difference in some of your league matchups so just have a think about what you can do and utilize the system to the best advantage you can yeah that's some really good advice so again if we want to look about teams that play late port adelaide Fremantle, last game of the round. So Rosie, mm-hmm. Butters, Sarong, Brayshaw. Probably the interesting one that you mentioned, the two ruck loopholes. Do you have a Visentini? He could be your pathway to be able to do it. Because if you've got Max Heath, mm-hmm. that doesn't help you at all. Um, you're now looking at, are you going earlier in the round with your loopholes? Is it all of a sudden, is it a Dunkley? Is it a Taranto? Is it a merit? Like, whatever it is, like, look at those elements and the positioning uh, of the things through there. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up the episode soon, but for coaches that are deep into the finals of of rankings, and then finals of rankings is not really the fair term, but top 100 is, <laughs> in fact, it's just plain wrong, MJ. Um but top 100's their goal. Top 10's their mm. goal. Um, I, I think there's a handful of coaches that can legitimately claim the Hilux this year. Um, and, and there's mm. a that's about it. And that's okay. That That's not uncommon at this time of year in, in, in any way. No, format, it's not uncommon. Um, 
if you're in a rank, if you are pushing for a hat, let's focus in that space for a minute. And you look at your team, we've alluded this a bit more, but I'd like to dig down on two points you've made. You look at the fixtures and you see a couple of nice one-weekers this week and then some nice one-weekers next week. How is it risky to go, I'm going to do as, and just these are names, not saying what people should do. I'm getting Zebel in this week. I'm allowing $100,000 in my kitty to make an easy pathway maneuver to a Taylor Walker um, and, and just go match up to match up. Sure, makes sense. But is there an element of risk in doing that for coaches? I know everything's got an element of risk, but how much risk is involved in that? Because trading into a Zebel is trading into a red dot next week unless you can get off Zebel. Mm. It's a high risk, high reward play. Yeah. It, it's it's as simple as that. It's the risk that you have to get off Zebel. It's the risk that he plays the role that you hope he plays. It's the risk that he pops a score that's good enough for you to take. It's the risk that he generates a bit of cash in the process of doing so as well. Mm. And it's the combined risk that you don't have any other moves in your team that can net you as much points as jumping off of Zebel and moving to someone like Tex. Yeah. And you've got to look, to, look at your team and you have to think, right, Am I just going to Zebra because then it's an easy pathway to text next week? Or is there, am I going to Zebra because it's the right thing to do for my team? Is Tex Walker the player that I do want to have in round 24? Yes, that matchup is really good, but with how much has been talked about, you know, I'm expecting very high ownerships of Tex Walker in round 24 up in the high ranks. In the top 100. I wouldn't yeah. be shocked to see. I wouldn't be shocked to see 50 or 60 people in the top 100 at the end of the season own Tex Walker and have him at F7 with a with a emergency on him and have a look at the score. And he is a but Saturday is that the night right guy. play? Yeah. Yeah. So who are you taking off if you do that? Have a look at that pathway as well because you need to look. Yeah, you've got four trades left. The pathways that you have left are mm-hmm. narrowing down. You don't have as many options of players that you're wanting to move in and out. So have a look at it. Have a look. If I do Jack Zebel to Tex Walker in round 24, who am I trading out as well? What's my loophole option if Tex Walker doesn't pop on the Saturday night? What's yep. what's the option if he only pops like a 40 or a 50 and I don't want to take that score? Yeah. These these are the types of conversations you need to have a think about because, again, you know, it's your risk appetite. Yeah. We, 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 I, I said it. It's, it's, it's a high-risk, high-reward play. There's no... There's no denial that it could definitely play off and both of these players could go 130s over the next two weeks, but know what all the other variables involved are. Yeah, it's a really good bit of advice. All right, we're good. we'll wrap up the episode in a minute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you a little curveball as we wrap up the podcast, though. We're going to get um, mini monk instinct for a second. We're going to go through the defenders, the mids, and the forwards, it's first thoughts. I'm going to give you a price range and I want you to give me your two first. This is not a prepped thing, ladies and gentlemen, as you're listening to this. Um, it's giving him for, to hear for you. It's my initial instinct reaction, not researched, not right. calculated, not thought out. I'm going to go through the positions. I'm going to ignore the rucks and we'll go through yep. positions. And the context is for this a player you'd be happy to own for the two weeks. Again, so I'm asking a lot of you because I'm going gut instinct fixture, and that's really all it is along the way. So a bit of high pressure to throw Mini Monk under the bus. We're about to see just how good Harry Sheasel is for the fantasy footy community. I'm going to disregard the 900,000 defenders because there's only two. Okay. It's Dawson and Sicily. Mm-hmm. So we're going, to, we're going to move them out. Of the defenders that are priced... Over eight hundred thousand and under nine hundred thousand. If there were two you wanted to own for the next two weeks and wanted to trade into a defender between eight hundred and nine hundred thousand, who are the two that have the most appeal for you? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Will Day and Lockie Whitfield. Nice. I like that. Talk to me about the Whitfield one because I, I think a lot of people have flirted with Day this year. But Whitfield, ownership-wise, only 3.8% across the entirety um, of that and and pretty similarly low ownership in the top 100, top 1,000 in AFL fantasy. I think he's only owned by, what, 4% of, of the top 100. So really, really lowly owned. What What's Whitfield got your attention there for people? He's been criminally underrated this year for how good he's actually been because he's missed games through injuries. He got injured in that first round, missed round two. He got injured just after the bye and missed round 16. But aside from that, he's been a fairly safe 90 and he's got a good couple of matchups. Yeah, he does. All right. Two defenders between 700,000 and no more than 800,000. So you cut off his Scott from the North Melbourne Football Club. Who are the two that you go, if I had to have him for two weeks... These are the two guys that I would look to. Mitch Duncan. Yep. High risk. I love it. Hayden Young. Yeah. Okay. L- little bit of purple haze just coming out of you there, or is that role? Related? I'm going. I'm going a bit more. I'm going a bit more potty with these options as yeah, well. Yeah, of course I mean, you are. Under that 800k barrier, there there aren't many that. Well, Jaden Short's around the, there, the, the but top. you know. Yeah. Sure. Um. Yes. The role. Yeah, I mean, he's been playing inside midfield roles. Yes, he's got a couple of tougher matchups against Port Adelaide and Hawthorne. But if he's going to be playing the role that he is, where he's tagging, one thing we know about those games is they're going to be contested games. Yes, and that if they're contested games, he's going to be getting a lot of tackles because that's where his bulk scoring and bulk increase in scoring over the last couple of weeks has been. He's normally a you know one, two, three tackler game player. In the past five games that he's played, he's had three games where he's had eight or more tackles. It's good. And then lastly, two players under 700,000. Because we, we could go all the way down and be like, yes, let's look at Isaac Quain. Or we're not going to do that. No offense to Isaac. He's a brilliant human being. But if there were two defenders under 700,000 that you were owning for two weeks, so it's discounting Zebel out of this conversation. We spent a lot of time on him on this episode. But two defenders, a two week play, who you're looking at. But are we going to go real risky? I mean, oh, yeah, give Jack us the Siegel. real risky one. Yeah, okay. he's not playing two. Ri- you, do you want the real risky one? Yeah, I think I know. The real who you're risky going one for. is Elliot, Elliot Yo. Yes, thank you very much. It's Elliot Yo. Yeah, he's I love it. cheap and he's got the dogs match up this week. So if you want to go bang for your buck pick, oh, yeah, there right, is another just as crazy one. Kitty Coleman's just as risky, mate. Oh, it's yeah, I, I, I get it. I, I don't like Kitty Coleman just as much because I just, I've owned him in the past. Yeah, I know what of... he can be like. I know he's got the ceiling, but it's just a little bit more scary. Yeah, I understand that concern as well. All right, give us one more outside of Yo, under 700,000 that you're like, you know, if I had to go there based on other variables, it's Yo or is there nobody else? It's not pretty, mate. Jeez. It's not, it's pretty. not pretty, is it? Uh, Ed Richards, maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Ed Richards. Miller. No, you're not going Miller. I'm just trying no, to get a quote. You're an Adelaide man. You're, you're not going Miller. No, uh, or can we go one of the cheaper options? Corey yeah. Wagner. There you go. He's got the role. Uh, he comes He's got the role now. Days. He does have the role now. I totally agree with that. All right. Let's go the forwards and then we'll do that for the mids before we wrap up the episode. Again, going to discount the 900,000 plus. In fact, we're going to pretty much say anyone from butters up is we're not even considering. So anyone under over 800,000, we're not going to talk about Golden, Rosie, Dunkley, Taranto or Cornelio um, or butters. Just again, purely so highly owned. Um, But between 800,000 and 700,000, a forward that's a two-week play who are you trading into could it be anyone else i think it has to be luke jackson mm. i, I think one. it's it's the most it's probably the most obvious one and for good reason yep i think he's got the role and he's looked really good he's got the easy matchup this week yes the round 24 matchup isn't as easy but you know if he scrapes an 80 against 
the Hawks rucks, you'd probably take that in round 100%. 24. Yep. Maybe a cheaper option you could look at, you know, jeez. Oh, Flanders yeah. and Sheasel are around there. Flanders? Yeah. Jeremy Cameron? Oh, I'm buying that. I mean, yeah, he's a key forward, but I don't think you've seen many key forwards that run the ground quite as well as he does. He pushes down into D50 and gets yes, involved in the plus six chains every now and then. Yes, he does. And he's had, again, a very good season, and his price is a little bit lower than what it has been because about five weeks ago, he got knocked mm-hmm. out hmm? on negative three. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, he was averaging something like, you know, 90-odd for the season. Mm-hmm. like it. He's All one right. you could have a flight up. Give me two forwards under 700,000. This is as low as we'll go with the forwards. Again, you don't want to be heading down into the territories where you're uh, looking at a Phillips and a Finlayson and a Fogarty for, for your last two weeks of fantasy footy. Um, so between under 700,000, who are two guys that you go, you know what? If I had to, because it gets me the secondary player I want, and that's probably what we're settling for here. Who are the sub-700 forwards that you've got a bit of a sneaky eye on? You know what? I might just go a pair of uh, Carl- uh, Collingwood boys. Hmm. Taylor Adams. Yep. And Paddy Lipinski. Yep. Get some midfield minutes and away you go. I like mm-hmm. it. I like it. All right, let's go to the mids and then we'll wrap up this episode again. Deliberately putting Mini Monk in horrible positions that I know we will get off the podcast and be like, MJ, you flog. Why did you do that to me? And I go, that's okay. <laughs> We're going to help some people through. Now, there's two players over a million dollars that are mid eligible. We're going to not talk about them, but I do want to talk about the pick of the bunch of the 900,000 brigade. So, Goulden and Bont, scrap them from your list. If you could pick two, now again, Rosie, Dawson, they technically sit in this group, but they're in other lines. So, let's discount them. So, we're talking Parrish, Brayshaw, Viney. Brad Crouch, Sarong, Petrarca, Laird, Merritt, Oliver. If you had to own, if you wanted to trade into two, Merritt is 100% owned in the top 100, so let's strike him out too. If you want to own two players over 900,000 for the next two weeks, first thought, Mini Monk, who are you going to? It's the two that we talked about earlier on in the pod. Mm. It's Laird and Oliver. Yeah, I agree. Let's go under 900,000 then, but over 800,000. There's there's some nice names that are through there again. We're going to discount there the are. DPP options. So the Wanganine Millers, the Whitfields, the Days, the, the Sinclairs, the Cornelios. We're going to strike them all out of that. And yes, Dunkley and Taranto are in that list as well. Over 800,000, under 900,000, a midfielder for two weeks. Who would you be happy to take a little bit of a flight and trade into for a two weeks of fun? Galore? Yeah. McCluggage? Yeah. Yeah. Why Trelaw? Because I I know why, but talk people through Trelaw because that, again, is a name that people are going, oh, no, I don't think Trelaw's a good pick. I mean, if you look at the dogs last week, mm-hmm. they got smothered in that second half, not just in terms of the ball use, but in terms of fantasy points. Mm-hmm. They couldn't touch the darn pill. Mm-hmm. So it's no wonder that Trelaw only scored a 70 odd. It's no wonder that Bont barely scraped his way to a 100 score. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the types of players that you would normally see rack up 110s, 120s, 130s. But the matchup this week is West Coast. And the matchup in round 24, you know, it's Adelaide. For the Bulldogs. Oh, sorry, Geelong. Yeah, Geelong. Yes, sorry. Yeah, for the dogs. You were yeah, talking Geelong. about West Coast. That's all right. But you got West Coast focused. We got West Coast focused. But he's had the role all season. You know, we, we've yeah. talked about how the midfield mix for the dogs has been all over the shop at the time, but the three consistent ones they've run through the midfield for the majority of this season has been Liberatore, Trelaw, and Bottompelli. And there's no... Liber's not there. Way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be 80% CBAs for Trelaw, and the matchup is just too good this week. And he's a goal-scoring mid too, so that that's that's a hugely important outcome. All right, 
you don't you can't get up to eight hundred thousand. So in fact, we'll allow Newcomb at eight hundred thousand. All right. And then we're going no less than seven hundred thousand. I think that's where we might wrap up the mids. This is as low as we go. You've got two guys to own. The DPP options are not available to you. Between seven hundred thousand and eight hundred thousand on the money. Who are the two mids? You go, you know what? For two weeks, MJ, I'm happy to jump on. I think one stands out very quickly to me mm-hmm. in Matt Crouch. Agree. I think he's probably the obvious option of that sub 800k group. Gosh, if we want to take a punt on a second player out, why not? Why not your boy? Josh Kelly, 782k. Hey, get around him. Very, very cheap. Too cheap for someone who has 120 potential. I want to say a name that I hate saying, but of all the guys in this list, he's to memory, he's the only pure mid that has four tons in a row. Now, he hasn't played four games in a row, but he's got four tons in a row. I'm alluding to Carl Amon. I don't like saying it at all, and I feel like I lose credibility with it. He's coming off a 138 and three tons before that. Now, I don't think he turned up outside of the past four games, but you want to play it, go all in on poker, Melbourne and Fremantle. I don't love it, but what's your initial first take? Again, you're picking him over a Matt Crouch, which I don't like um, in that 50-50 selection, but for coaches that, I don't know, want to dance with their sister, would you be happy to, 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 to make, suggest Amon? Oh, man, I just have to look at who they played in their last four. And if you think about players that could rack up with a lot of space, yeah, Richmond, St Kilda, Collingwood, the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, it's it's a match made in heaven for people that get involved in the plus six chains like he has been. I I don't think I could go there. Yeah, North Melbourne. If he were well. if he was six hundred and fifty k, I'd consider it. But no, and it got you to another player that you really wanted to own, yeah. and he was your settling. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. I don't like it. I just that if I was to say their last four was one hundred five, one hundred nine, a hundred and one thirty eight, everyone would go, oh, that's interesting to me. But sometimes. You just need to, as Mini Monk has done, unpack the narrative of Richmond, Bulldogs, North Melbourne are three of those teams that he scored those tons against. Sure, great in drafts, fine to take the the punt in your daily fantasy, but, yeah, you want that man in your classic team for the next two weeks? Okay. If you want to go the winger, the winger-type player who scored a big score this week and the next week as well. Please. It's a man that uh, Rids mentioned a few weeks ago, about 10 weeks ago, he probably mentioned this player. And since then, he's been an absolute jet of a player for fantasy purposes, especially for draft owners. Bailey Scott. Yeah. Yeah, wow. He's been one of the picks of the year in draft, hasn't he? There, there, there always is these sort of guys like Bailey where lowly owned, barely drafted based on their ADP. You pick them up after they pop one decent score and you go... Man, if I can get two or three 80s out of him, I'll be happy. And all of a sudden, Scott, for some leagues in draft, could be their D2. Um, Maybe even higher if some things have gone pear-shaped. So uh, that's the interesting thing. I thought we wanted to do that exercise with Mini Mike again. For you as you're listening to the podcast, these are the things you're looking at. You're looking at the fixtures. You're looking at the matchups. You're looking at the unique variables. You're looking at the limited cash and how the combination of trades can come. You're looking at one week plays in Zeeble. You're looking at, I don't want to get entrapment in and two weeks and the moves you can make this week that sets you up for the moves in the final week of 2023. It's why just wanted to full blitzkrieg him and surprise him with that. So well done, me, Mike. <laughs> Again, you know, we'll, we'll give the trade of, you know, preparation pending. He might give you some distant advice, but uh, hopefully that's helped you. Uh, we might wrap up the episode there, Mini Monk, as always. You've been an absolute superstar on this podcast and pretty much every single one you've done with us and for the fantasy community in 2023. It's been a pleasure. And uh, 
no no hard feelings for you dropping that on me right at the end of the pod. Yeah, okay, good. All right, we're, we're going to be just fine. That's all right. Uh, if you want to go and uh, keep in touch with Minimunk or any of the other members of the coaches panel, one of the easiest ways to connect with them is become part of our Patreon supporter group for just a few dollars a month. You can join the basement tier as a cash cow or you can jump up as a premium tier Patreon and there are a bunch of different tiers and rewards access to hidden content, hidden groups, additional podcasts, and a bunch of other stuff. All the details, if you do want to become a Patreon supporter, you can find in the details of this podcast description. And you might be going, MJ, there's two weeks left in the year. What's the point of that? Here's what I'll tell you. From September, for any level of Patreon and for our Spotify podcast subscribers, again, the link's in the description. If you choose to listen to podcasts on Spotify, and that's where you're listening to this, you will get as a Spotify subscriber, you will get our top 50 keeper ranks, eight tiers, eight episodes, helping you understand who we believe are the best keeper prospects. And then plenty of other off-season content. We won't make it publicly available to everybody else, but we'll be unpacking the trade analysis period. We'll be working through all the positions, all the prices and everything as we build towards 2024. So you might be like, oh, I'll wait till January to jump on in the 50 most relevant. Sure, you can absolutely do that. But there's plenty of hidden content that only our Patreon and Spotify subscribers get in the off season. Look, we hope for you as you enter into this uh, second to last round of 2023, we hope everything does land your way. We hope that captaincy and vice captaincy plan and scheme you're hatching, that it absolutely pops. That the trades and the loopholes that you're maneuvering through deliver exactly the way you hope. And that from a rankings perspective, you're in a position to strike with one week to go. And if you're going for the leagues, we hope you've made and making your way through to the big dance. Good luck in round 23. We can't wait to chat to you again next week for the final official time of the 2023 fantasy footy season.